audio. And I'm Milkar. And this is two mics, one World Cup. And before we get started breaking down all the groups, uh, today we're going to be answering a pretty simple question. What is the World Cup? So if you don't know what the World Cup is, but you want to talk to your friends and have something to talk about the water cooler, this is exactly what this is for. So basically, here's what you need to know. The World Cup is a tournament that happens every four years. Yeah, and most people think, like, why do people care? I mean, honestly, people love soccer or football or whatever we're calling it now, depending on where you're from. <laughs> um, but it's one of the most popular uh, sports uh, that's watched in the world. Um, and it seems like uh, 5 billion people are expected to watch the World Cup this year, which is crazy. I mean, compared to the Super Bowl or anything else, really. I got engaged this year, so I have to say that the World Cup is the second most excited thing I was for this year. Um, but any other year, that's probably what I'm most excited for. So because his fiance is listening. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, when, when does the World Cup start? Um, usually it's a summer tournament, but this year it's starting in on November 20th. Um, and it goes until December 18th. So if you're in the States and you celebrate Thanksgiving, it's right before Thanksgiving and leads you right up until a week before Christmas. Yeah, you want to like talk about why uh, it's in the winter this time and not in the summer? Yeah, good point. Yeah, so usually, like again, traditionally, it's been a summer tournament. Usually, that's because the players are on break from the teams they play with when they're not playing the World Cup. So again, it's in the summer. But in this case, Qatar, the summer temperatures can be well over 100 degrees, so it'd be way too hot to have the tournament there. So basically. Qatar is hosting it. They're making an exception for Qatar, and they're making it a winter tournament this year. Um, but in most other, or in every other iteration, it's been in the summer. Yeah, that's just crazy because like it's it basically falls in like the middle of the seasons for any like for the athletes that they're basically playing their club teams. So I think what we've seen a lot this World Cup is like tons of injuries yeah. that are that are coming. And usually, I feel like when players get to the end of the of the year, maybe there's a lot less games because you're not starting to get to the finals of tournaments, things like that. But I feel like this is going to be crazy with the amount of injuries that we're seeing because it's literally in the thick of you know they're people playing three different cups, playing their league and stuff like that. So. You're going to see a lot of different teams uh, that maybe players that maybe wouldn't be called up are going to be called up now because of all the crazy injuries. I know, I know when we're recording now, I think there's probably been like five to ten big names that aren't yeah. going to be able to make it to the World Cup. So it's kind of wild. Very, very true. Yeah. And the thing about that, usually the prep period for the World Cup, like where the players go to like their country's team, is like two to three weeks. Now we're looking at like nine days. So essentially, yeah, even like less than two weeks before the World Cup, you might see... Other players, knock on wood, hopefully not, that for some reason get injured and can't play. So, yeah, we'll see how that affects, yeah, what teams can maybe do well um, in, in this um, new, like, winter format. Yeah, it's crazy, like, how they have to expedite everything. But, I mean, it makes sense. I, you know, it's like you're doing it in the, in the winter months, and you really only have so much time that they can do everything. So, I think that also might play into uh, how well the teams do, too. You know, maybe teams that you're building the chemistry those couple weeks before, or teams that have to fly in from, you know, on South America or other places into Qatar. I mean, Qatar is in the Middle East, you know. Yeah. So, it's like, it's a tiny little country in the Middle East, right by Dubai and all those other... Uh, those are the really, 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 really rich oil countries that you hear about, I'm sure, from all the crazy parties and everything they throw. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's apparently it's going to be like the most expensive World Cup like to date. So it seems like they're spending $220 billion 
because um, I'm assuming that they're probably building brand new stadiums because I don't know that they have yeah any, any big stadiums there, right? Yeah, so on the stadium side, it's the World Cup with the least amount of stadiums used. They're using eight. And oh, wow. out of those eight, seven of them were built from scratch. And then the one that was already there was remodeled very heavily. So basically, practically new. So are they doing it indoors or are they like outdoor stadiums? You know, I'm not sure. I've seen like aerial like Instagram shots and they look to be indoors or outdoors, but maybe they just didn't close the roof on them. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I've seen a lot of outdoor stadiums, which is kind of yeah. crazy. You think like they just, you know, crank the AC on an indoor yeah. stadium or something. <laughs> and I personally, like we live in Southern California, so we don't really have like indoor stadiums. So I've never been inside one, so I'm, I'm curious to see. Yeah, like a dome or something. Yeah. But yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's so interesting that they picked Qatar. I mean, we can talk about all the wild stuff that potentially that they bought the World Cup, all the fraud and corruption and stuff. Um, But I mean, it's it's just kind of kind of wild. I mean, the fact that they're not going to allow alcohol uh, to be sold inside stadiums like that's just going to be a huge change for basically anybody that's going to go watch a game. Yeah, exactly. It's basically they're a very conservative country, so they just have a few areas outside the stadium where you can buy and drink alcohol i do my understanding is that they are selling it at lower prices than usual in qatar so i guess they're trying to kind of meet people halfway since they are expecting about one million visitors yeah weren't you saying that there was another world cup that they did something similar yeah with south africa fifa made them i think change their (laughs) constitution or law so that they could either sell alcohol or like Something around like the alcohol in the stadiums, they had South Africa change legislation so that it could happen essentially. I, I guess you can't bully the Qataris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy. It's it's the first Middle Eastern country to to host uh, any uh, World Cup, which is wild. Yeah. Um, but I guess it makes sense. Like we're talking about that fact that it has to be in the winter and it can't be you know out in the heat and stuff like that. Um, and it seems like they're all the stadiums are like relatively close, right? You're telling me something about like they can all be metro too. Yeah, you can write like the metro to all of them, so to connect from one to the other. So it's pretty crazy. And then on the location part for the Middle East, traditionally the team that's hosting the World Cup tends to do better than they usually do, and then the countries from that region tend to do better. So up until 2010, when Spain one um in south africa it was the first time a european country won outside of europe oh wow uh, and before that the only team that had won a world cup outside of their continent was brazil uh but other than that yeah it no other country had done it until two, 2010 and ever since then europeans have been winning everywhere germany in 2014 in brazil and then 2018 france and well that was in europe so russia so yeah, i guess it, it's happened twice since but, yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So um, we've kind of covered like why it's in Qatar. Uh, why don't we kind of get into how the tournament actually works? So basically, the World Cup has 32 of technically the best soccer teams in the world. And we say technically because you qualify based on regional qualifications. So if you're from like North America slash Caribbean, Central America, you're in one group and you top three to four teams from there qualify if you're in south america the top four teams from there qualify directly europe asia africa etc so sometimes you might have teams that 
are ranked higher in the world rankings that because their group is very competitive, like Europe, like you'll see like Italy, for example, that it's ranked top 10 in the world, but they're not in the World Cup. So basically that's how the 32 teams that play in the World Cup qualify. And that's why maybe the team you're rooting for usually is not in the World Cup this um, this iteration. Yeah, and I think when you talk about like the teams in Europe, like you were mentioning, like there's some great yeah. teams in Europe that can't make it in because, you know, there's teams in South America or in Asia that end up having getting spots and stuff. So that is kind of an interesting way. I, I do like it because I think it obviously you get to represent the entire world and you don't have, you know, the same, you know, 10, 12 countries um, taking over this. Um, and also I think it builds for upsets. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen them in the past uh, teams, really small teams that, you know, countries don't think they're going to do anything and they come out and get it, make it out of the, the knockout, make it into the knockouts and stuff like that. So it's an interesting yeah, dynamic. Exactly. To that point, like Senegal in 2002, it was their first time playing a World Cup and they made it to the quarterfinals. So, like, round last eight team standing, which is very impressive. So. Yeah. And honestly, had, had it not been regionalized like that, they probably wouldn't have made it to the yeah. World Cup. You know, so it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, you get you get like the uh, what do you yeah, call the Cinderella exactly. teams, right? Like in March Madness. <laughs> yeah, and so basically, it seems like they so they put them all in um, eight different groups, which is what we're going to be analyzing at some point um, in the future here. Um, and they're all made up of four teams. So each team is going to play the other teams once, um, and a win is three points, a tie is one point, and a loss is zero. So what happens is the top two teams with the most points uh, move on. If there's a tie, then it goes to uh, goal differential. So whoever scored more goals versus um, conceded more goals. And if it goes into a crazy scenario like we saw last World Cup where the, uh, it was uh, Japan and I think Senegal that they had the exact same goals conceded, exact same goals for, and then the exact same points. So it went to how many yeah. yellow cards they got. Um, and Senegal had more yellow cards, so they literally got knocked out of the World Cup just because they fouled one too many times. I kind of love that because there's times where I've been watching matches and a team's just fouling like crazy. And I'm like, and they do it because they, as long as they don't get like another yellow card later on, like they don't really pay any consequences. So I like that rule. Fair play matters. Yeah, but then you got the yeah. floppers, man. You got people who just flop. You got Neymar <laughs> yeah. where he's flopping around the entire the entire stadium, doesn't do anything, you know. So, yeah, you know, it depends. <laughs> and then once you have your top two teams from each group, they go to the knockout phase. So essentially, the team that wins a group that gets the most points, they'll play who got second place from a different group. So then, and then obviously second place from that same group is going to play first place from a different group as well. And in this case, there can't be ties. So they'll play a full 90 minutes. And if the score is tied, they'll go to overtime. After that, they'll play two 15-minute halves. And then if they're still tied, they'll go to penalties. So that's the difference between like the group stage and the knockout phase. Someone has to win. So that's when you get those super dramatic like clips of like the players lining up halfway like in the field watching like someone take a shot. And then everyone runs to the goal when someone eventually scores the winning penalty so that's pretty fun how do you feel about that do, do you like penalties or do you wish it was like a golden goal where it was like next goal wins or i don't know i'm not too, too huge of a fan you know, um, i do like penalties because i'm not a huge fan of golden goal because i feel like what if you score right away like yeah technically you win and props to you but i kind of like giving like the other team a chance to see what they can do about it you know but but I will say penalties 
feels it's essentially a coin toss. It, it feels like a very unfair way to decide. So yeah, maybe golden gold is better. Um, like maybe after two yeah. overtimes, you know, it's like all right, cool. Like next goal wins. I mean, obviously you can be playing for yeah. ages, right? But so I guess the the benefit is that the the penalties you just you're done. You shoot in like yeah. you know, fifteen minutes you or play less. Like two overtimes. <laughs> When you go into the next round, yeah, you're exhausted, just super beat from the previous game. So I think that might be why. Um, I know it, there's no more frustrating way to lose a game though than, especially in a knockout round, than being in penalties. Just like because just like you said, it's it's a coin toss, and you could you could have been playing the better game the entire time and yeah. just lose because you just get one more penalty than the other. The, the goalie gets right. Teams that do that, like they literally like you see them like park the bus. They're like, all right, we're going for a one like. If they get an early goal early in the game, one zero, like all right, park the bus. If we can hold this, cool. If they tie, we're still parking the bus. <laughs> we're gonna try to beat them with penalties, and that can be like exactly a that's a, that's a yeah. game plan. But again, it's the rules of the game. So if you can make them work to your advantage, like why not? I guess. So. Yeah, I know. And then you see like the crazy mind games that the that the goalies yeah. try to play on the players and all that stuff. So it's it's got it's got yeah. its benefits for sure. Twenty fourteen the. Uh, Netherlands and Costa Rica went to penalties. The like Netherlands goalkeeper, they brought him in just for penalties. He was like playing mind games. I was like, almost, I felt like he was bullying like the Costa Rican players, and it worked. And Costa Rica lost, and I was like bummed because obviously it's like a Central American, North American like team. Yeah. So, but yeah, it works sometimes. So it's exciting. Yeah, and a lot of the players you just like look straight down. They don't like don't even want to make eye contact with the goalie. Just look away until they're ready to shoot. You know what I can't stand though when they do penalties, when they do like the super tiny little steps and then shoot or, yeah, they pause I, right before. Yeah, oh. the pauses trying to juke them out. I think just go shoot it, place it well, low away, high away. Like Ronaldo, the way he shoots penalties, no bullshit. Just go straight forward and takes a shot. I think. And obviously, everyone has their own style, but that's at least how I think. I want to say that started not even too long ago. Like, maybe like a handful of years ago, they started doing like those balances because they want to try to see if the goalie is going to give way to where they're going. Mm-hmm. And then, all right, cool. Then we're going to shoot. So it's kind of wild. Yeah, well, Speaking of wild, I think it's going to be insane. The times are going to have to wake up for some of these games, man. Like, I, we, since there's such a big time difference uh, with the US, we're going to have like 2 a.m. games, 5, 8, and 11. So it's going to be all early stuff during work or lack thereof for most people during yeah. that month. <laughs> but it's going to be crazy. Like I look, I don't think, I don't think the U S or any teams that we're following have any 2 a.m. Yeah, games, right? No, I don't think so. I think the U S has mostly 11 a.m. games. So, uh, they did try like, depending on the country time zone, when their country's playing the world cup, they tried making it semi reasonable. So yeah, I think we have a lot of 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific standard time. That is, um, and a few, I think, 8 a.m. games. So it shouldn't be too bad. But if you are living in the U.S. and you have roots somewhere else and you're rooting for a different team, you, you might have to wake up as early as 2 a.m., I believe. I know. And honestly, I was thinking, like, these coast times yeah. are not terrible. It's like 5, 8, uh, like 11, and 2. Like, it's, those are, yeah. like, normal times. I think the, the 2 a.m. one is the one that's like, okay, do you stay up or do you, like, wake up the next day early? Like, you know, you're staying up late or you're waking up early. Working, you have to wake up early, I'd say. I was thinking I'm a I am yeah. not a morning person, but the World Cup might make me a morning person, so I'm looking forward to to this. Yep. Gas yeah, gas at the coffee maker. <laughs> so, you know, that's basically like a pretty general outline of what the World Cup is. Hopefully, we give you more insight so you kind of know what's going on once the tournament starts. So, again, 
This is Two Mics, One World Cup. I'm Mario. And I'm Milkar. And make sure you tune in, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be uh, giving you a lot of great content here to come. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.